Gotham City. Dark, dangerous, protected only by a mostly corrupt police department. Despite the best efforts of DA Harvey Dent and Police Commissioner Jim Gordon, the city becomes increasingly unsafe until a dark night arises. We all know criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot, so his disguise must be able to strike terror into their hearts. He becomes a bat. Enter Vicky Vale, a prize-winning photojournalist who wants to uncover the secret of the mysterious Batman. And enter also Jack Napier, one-time enforcer for Boss Grissom, horribly disfigured after a firefight in a chemical factory, who, devoid of the last vestiges of sanity, seizes control of Gotham's underworld as a psychotic, unpredictable clown prince of crime, the Joker. Gotham's only hope, it seems, lies in this dark, brooding vigilante. And just how does billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne fit into all of this? Ciao my people and welcome to the second episode of Happiness in Darkness, the superhero movie podcast where we cover superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image and more. If it came from a comic and had a theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing yet another groundbreaking movie and of course director Tim Burton's first take on a superhero, Batman from 1989. And with me today to enter the bowels of the dark and gothic world of the Cape Crusader is comic book expert and man behind the Ohio Type 40, one of the four biggest Doctor Who fan groups in the state of Ohio, our friend John Takas. Hey John, how are you doing? Doing great, Nick. I really want to thank you for having me on today. Oh, we definitely appreciate you know you taking the time to do this with us today. Well, John, you know, as it's customary here on Happiness in Darkness, my first question is, how did you first get into comics and where did your love for this medium start? Well, I think it started when uh, I was Probably in my, uh, I want to say, really, really early teens, uh, maybe even maybe even eleven years old. Uh, as a as a kid growing up in the eighties, a lot of us uh, ended up going to the doctor a lot. <laughs> so uh, I had uh, allergies, asthma. So I, I was in a doctor's office at least uh, well, at quite quite often. And whenever we would get out of there we'd have to go to the pharmacy and get a prescription or something over the counter there was always that wire rack full of uh, the, the carousel rack full of comics and uh it's just, i wasn't feeling too good uh, mom would spend the uh 70 cents for two comics for me and i'd pick out uh, normally uh normally i'd pick out uh, like a star wars comic to start me off with and uh, it just kind of grew from there. I, if, if I saw something interesting on a cover, I would say, well, can I get this one too? And uh, it just kind of grew from there. 
eventually we found a comic book store not too far from us uh nice little store it's i'm sure it's gone by now it was called off the wall and uh yeah i walked in there and it was like mecca (laughs) (laughs) i'd say just comic books from wall to wall and back issues and all these different uh i I knew the, the main publishers but there was all these other different publishers that I'd never heard of, so it's like I'm I'm over here grabbing book and book and book, and my mother's like, you know, it's uh, you plan on doing some extra chores to take care of all those books, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it kind of it grew from there. Oh, and, then and that's actually yep. where uh, I'm sorry, uh, that's actually where I saw the uh, some of the, my first uh, Doctor Who Target novels was at a comic book store. Oh wow! And so you are you still into comics to this day? Are you still reading comics? Uh, there's cert- there's only a few titles because as I as I learned while growing up, I mean, there's this thing called a budget, <laughs> and with my with my Doctor Who collection, and I also do uh, tabletop wargaming, which uh, if anyone knows Games Workshop, they know that they're not they're not cheap. So uh, there's a, there's a few titles that I still uh, still look forward to. Oh, well, that's great. And you, of course, decided to uh, to pick you pick Batman for this particular episode. You know, let's you know, looking here, Batman directed, of course, as was mentioned earlier, by the master of Gothic cinema, Tim Burton, released in 1989, written by Sam Hamm, who would then go on to write for DC Comics himself, and Warren right. Scarin, who had previously worked on pre on Tim Burton movies like Beetlejuice up until that time. And of course, it stars Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, Pat Hingle as, of course, James Gordon, Billy Dee Williams as Harvey Dent, and Michael Goth as. Alfred, and music, of course, by the late great Prince, and we also have a seminal, memorable main theme by composer extraordinaire Danny Elfman, who, of course, our listeners might know for scoring some most of Tim Burton's movies, from Beetlejuice to Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Nightmare Before Christmas, where he actually does the singing part of Jack Skellington, and, of course, the frontman of Oingo Boingo. It costs $35 million to make... And made a whopping four hundred and eleven point five million at the box office. So, John, we're looking at the highest-grossing film based on a DC comic book until two thousand eight, when The Dark Knight arrived. And the film's gross was the sixty-sixth highest ever in North America. Although Indiana Jones and Last Crusade made the most money in nineteen eighty-nine, and uh, but however, Batman was able to beat The Last Crusade in North America and made a further one hundred and fifty million in home video sales. So of course, we're looking at a huge, huge movie when it comes to money being raked in. Why did you pick this movie, though? Well, the. Uh a lot of my friends, they, they, they know I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest Iron Man fans ever. Uh, I actually just just completed the original run. I had one issue left. I, had, I finally got it. And, there, and uh, I, even a, a few of my friends, when I was talking about, about this podcast, they were like, well, why Batman and not Iron Man? <laughs> well, the reason was back in 1989, this was the only movie that my entire family – got together to go see in the theater and I, I had gone I'd seen movies with my mother before uh, maybe my mother my sister my father went to one one movie with my sister and I that was Flash Gordon oh, wow. but we had never gone as an entire family and with all the hype that was going on about this movie we just all decided okay we're gonna go see this and yeah it was uh, it, it's one of these things where the, the cinema was all decked out uh, as we were walking down the hallway to the door to our to our show. The hall the, the hall was made up like the Bat Cave. There was uh, hey, it was all like paper and all this, but it was made up to look 
depart. And it just just added to uh, it just added to the excitement of going to see this movie that was so hyped right before its release. And yeah, we had a great time as a family. And I can only imagine, you know, because that was actually one of the first movies that I actually saw at the cinema. I mean, I was all but seven years old at the time, but uh, wow. I still have very vivid memories of it. And uh, and of course, you know, the Batman fever that then ensued after that, you know, it was crazy. I mean, I suppose even more so in the States. I mean, you must have been surrounded by Batman stuff all over the place when this movie came out. Oh, it was everywhere. And the thing was, you've had multiple generations of guys walking around the place saying, I'm Batman. It wasn't just kids. It was, it was fathers. It was, I mean, there's, there's even a grandfather that I remember. He's, he's, he said, I'm Batman. It's like, okay, you're Batman. <laughs> and well, so let's look into this movie a little bit. First off, of course, let's look at our heroes. Michael Keaton, of course, is Batman and Bruce Wayne. So when it comes to, to, to having cast Michael Keaton, how do you feel about him? I mean, do you still feel he is a serviceable Batman? Are you still, is he still one of your favorites or do you feel he's been surpassed by future iterations that then followed him? I, I love the fact that they had Michael Keaton uh, just because he was the, the one person that you wouldn't expect them to cast. I mean, you would, I mean, nowadays, I, I could see, I could easily see Christian Bale as Batman. Uh, uh, I mean, even Val Kilmer when he got the role. I mean, not so much George Clooney, but, uh, <laughs> but he, was, he was the one you didn't expect. Here's Mr. Mom that's putting on the bat suit, and it works. I mean, he's, he's, he's believable. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't have to, like, do the, the, the gravel in his voice with, uh, when, he was, when he was speaking to other people. Uh, I just, I, to this day, I think he's a great, great choice for, uh, for Batman. I will definitely agree with you, and I think he's probably one of the most believable Bruce Waynes we've had throughout this, the history of Batman. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I, I think, as you were saying, you know, Christian Bale did a good Bruce Wayne, and uh, but I feel that probably Michael Keaton is the be- is the, probably one of the best, if not the best, Bruce Wayne we've had. When it comes to Batman, I agree with you. I think it was interesting that he didn't decide to in any way modify his voice too much. I mean, he has that kind of whisper, but he doesn't yeah. really sort of go with the gravel voice, which, I, to be honest, I will never understand that uh, sort of laryngitic frog voice that, uh, that the Christian Bale decided to adopt. But I definitely found him, like you said, very believable. And can you imagine just walking around in that costume where the guy could barely turn his head? It's amazing what he did with that in, very sort of impractical costume. Yeah, and, and Michael Keaton, is, uh, he's gone on record saying he's claustrophobic. And the fact that he felt like he, he felt like he was trapped in there where he couldn't move around. So they, they were just like, OK, well, let's use that to our advantage with the character. Uh, it kind of added to it. Very much so. I, I definitely would agree. And, and, and I think you definitely believe that he is that he is Batman. I mean, but and do you think that, that he still holds up, you know, on your rewatch? Do you still oh, feel he holds up, or do you still think he looks a bit campy now and then? No, no, I, 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 I'm, I've never been the, the biggest Batman fan, but for for the for the film series, yeah, it still holds up. I definitely will agree. I think he's one of the, he, he definitely is one of those who who for sure you you still you still embrace it, and I think even. I mean, we're talking about a movie that's now 30 years old, and it's it's rare to find a movie that after 30 yeah. years is still, 
you know, still works because obviously yeah. special effects have moved on and, and, and all that has, has changed and cinema has evolved. But it's incredible what a great job Tim Burton did with this. And when it comes to, to Michael Goff as Alfred, um, of course, once again, we've seen so many iterations of, Bat- of, of um, Alfred between TV and cinema. Uh, are you still um, fond of Michael Goff as Alfred? I've always been fond of him. Uh, it, it probably has to do a lot with his roots from Doctor Who. That's of playing the <laughs> celestial toy maker. Uh, but yeah, he, I, I, I think I liked his version better than any of the other ones. Hmm. So, so you'd prefer him even say to like a Michael Caine, or or, or, or should we say even? I, I don't know if you've had the chance to even see the the series Pennyworth, um, or, or even should we say? Um, John Pertwee's son, Sean Pertwee, who plays him in Gotham, would you would you say so? He is he is your favorite up until this point. Uh, as for the films, yes. I mean, I I I love Sean Pertwee as uh, as Alfred in Gotham, uh, but for the film series, yeah, it's Alfred's the go-to. I just I I, I don't know the uh, he just he, he looks the part to me. I mean, in the uh, in the Christopher Nolan movies, I just I mean, I can't I can't see it. Ah, so so you feel like even like the relationship that Michael Goth and Michael Keaton have is more believable compared to maybe the relationship that Michael that uh, Michael Caine and Christian Bale have. I mean, you prefer oh, this relationship? I, I do. Uh, it, it's it's more of a familiar uh, like a family type setting. Uh, a, it's just one of those things where it's just like it, it just feels right when you watch it. I mean, nothing against Michael Caine. I think he's a brilliant actor, but he's not my Alfred. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I will agree with you because here, as you said, you feel the sense of family and you see that, that Michael Goth really, or this Alfred really does have Batman's back. And there really is that father figure. Even more so, I think, because of you even see like uh, scenes, for example, where uh, Bruce is drinking the champagne, and just randomly leaves it on the table, and and Alfred's right there to pick it up, picks it right up, <laughs> and he you can see that he is totally invested in in what Bruce is doing. He doesn't ever sort of question it. He's just like, okay, I have to show him all my support, and I think that is obviously the, the key of Alfred is. He his support and I think also his dry British humor, which I, which mm-hmm. is which Michael Goth definitely pulls off very very well. And of course, it, you know, it wouldn't be a superhero movie without a love interest. And of course, we have the the incredibly beautiful Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale. Now, when it comes to her, did, did you like the way that they wrote the character of Vicky Vale in this, or do you feel that maybe she was placed too much as like a damsel in distress? I, she seemed very strong. Uh, and she got, she did a lot of things on her own. She, uh, and when, uh, when she was going after, uh, like photos or part of a store, even when she was tailing Bruce, uh, she did it on her own and she, uh, she didn't need any help and very independent. For sure. And, and cause of course, you know, in the eighties, I think you could still probably not maybe have those necessarily strong female characters. And, uh, and I'm glad that at the end of the day, they didn't really make, make her into just a screaming damsel in distress. But she, but like you said, she stands on her own two feet and is mm-hmm. a competent, uh, journalist 
in her own right and and also i think she she's not afraid to to go where we, we where other where people might not want to go and she's and she she's a sleuth and it's i definitely will agree i think the uh, the portrayal is great and of course then we have uh, robert wall as Knox. let's say of mm-hmm. course the comedic relief and yeah and i i have to say no matter how many times i watch this movie robert wall always gets a laugh out of me because just the his lines are so perfectly delivered, and he's a great foil, I think, at the same time for uh, for Vicky Vale. And you kind of feel bad when, you know, he doesn't come to, to a great end at the, at the end of this movie. It's kind of sad. And you mm-hmm. wish that maybe his arc would, uh, you know, that he at least would, stay, would be still alive, which is a shame. What do you think about Robert Wall as, as Knox? I, I loved him. I, he's, he's got the, the great comedic timing. Uh, all of his laughs are still... I mean, all of his, his jokes are still laughable. It just fits the bill right there. I mean, I, I every time I every time I watch this film, I mean, I I'm not uh, I'm not tired of seeing him. Whereas like other other films, it's like okay, here's here's this guy again, but I mean, he he delivers every time you watch it. I, I definitely agree for sure. And then we have Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent, and apparently, I don't know if you knew this, but from what I heard. He was promised that he would then become Two Face, which we don't see yeah. that happen, and mm-hmm. and I feel that you know maybe he isn't given that the enough screen time seeing the weight of the, the of this actor at the time because obviously he was a big name at the time, and you know mm-hmm. and he he I think his role is very very limited, but he he works very well with what he's given. Uh, when it comes to Billy D. Williams, were you a fan of of his, and do you feel that he's do you like what he does in this movie? Oh, I, I, I when you when you went to see it in the, in the in the theaters for the first time, it's like, oh my God, there's there's Lando Calrissian, <laughs> and uh, I was just like, okay, it's and it's you're, everyone was so used to seeing uh, Harvey Dent as, as a white guy, uh, and then it's like the '80s were a little bit they weren't as diversified as we are today, and there were people saying, well, no, 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 uh, Harvey Dent is he's a he's a white guy and all this. It's like you know what they took a chance and they took they got a great actor and he just he fit the bill for me I, he he is spot on with the way he played the character and I would have loved to have seen him in a sequel and even turning into Two Face that would have been fantastic. I think he he would have carried it off really really well and there is still I think that regret that we didn't get him to, to go into to turn into Two-Face because obviously as we know Batman Returns is a whole different story and a whole different characters yeah. which is a, it's a great shame and then of course we have Pat Hingle as James Gordon now I don't know about you but when it came to the comics James Gordon was always a big figure for me uh, one of my favorite stories is of course um, Bat- should we say well in, in so many stories that he's been it's he's always been a great a huge um character in the stories and also of course Gotham if you're a fan of Gotham and for any listeners out there they know that it's very Gordon centric because of course Bruce Wayne is still a child and I loved seeing the development of his character and of course one of my as I was saying one of my favorite stories is Batman Year One which is once again a Gordon centric story Pat Hingle though in this case I don't know about you but he reminded me a little bit of Batman 66 to where he was a little bit um, restrained as it were and he wasn't that dynamic Commissioner Gordon that we know and love 
Um, yep. Unless, you know, he was, he was simply written that way or Pat Hingle felt he had to play in that way. What were your, were your views on, on Pat Hingle? Uh, I, as as good of, a, of an actor as he is, I think that when they cast him, they were just more looking for uh, like the, the seasoned type veteran actor. Uh, he came off more as like the the grouchy grandfather than Commissioner Gordon. And in the comics, I mean, Commissioner Gordon, Batman, their relationship was was pretty well diehard. Uh, and obviously, this is a just a time in in the in the story where they don't know each other that well. But it just seemed a little off. Uh, I mean, nothing against no, nothing against him as an actor, but I think with the the writing could have been a little bit more in his favor to give him a little bit of better relationship with uh, with Batman. For sure, because like you said, uh, one of the big relationships in the Batman mythos is, of course, the relationship the Batman has with Alfred, but also, of course, with James Gordon, who's one of the few members of the police force that's actually friends with the guy. And, uh, and we see this friendship develop throughout the comics and, and such. So I felt, like you said, he was a little bit underserved and maybe they just wanted to make him this kind of grouchy um, commissioner. And, and let's move over here then to the evil side of the, of the spectrum with, of course, a, a huge, huge actor and a, a polarizing actor at the same time, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Bearing in mind that prior to him, we'd only sort of seen on screen Cesar Romero as Joker in the, in right. the Batman 66. A lot of people, you know, even with my friends, everybody's like, Heath Ledger was better than Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is better than Heath Ledger. It's, it's an ongoing debate. When it yeah, comes, but it's, it's two different movie series. Exactly. When it comes to you, how do you feel about uh, Jack Nicholson and the way he plays Jack Napier slash the Joker? Oh, I, I've been a fan of Nicholson since, geez, I, I, when I saw Chinatown, uh, I was just, I was hooked. Uh, and when I found out that he was playing the Joker, uh, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, he's the actor that's made for this role. And when you see him on screen, it's just, it's there. I mean, the, the, between the laugh and his, his body movement, his body language, I mean, he's, he's playing the character the way it's, it's supposed to be. And I think he did probably take a little bit of that from Cesar Romero. But I, when you watch him on screen, there's a reason why his name is first on that billing. Very, very much so. And, uh, and I, you know what? The funny story was when I rewatched this, I'd forgotten how really violent it was. Because I'd oh, always, yeah. I actually, you know, I hadn't watched this movie in a while. And for the rewatch, I was like, because oh, I always thought, you know, Jack Nicholson or Jack Nicholson's Joker was more kind of played for laughs. But there really is a lot of dark, dark humor and psychotic humor in this movie. Because I think maybe as a child, you know, you see it with different eyes. And now seeing it later on, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely the Joker. Um, yeah. Because I, I suppose, you know, when I watched this, I still had Heath Ledger ingrained in my mind and the way Heath Ledger did, you know, played Joker. And of course, then we had yeah. um, Jared Leto play Joker in Suicide Squad. And that's another different, different one as well. I liked how he balanced, you know, the kind of gangster Jack Napier with this totally out of control character. And, you, and you, I think you can see him. Sadly, OK, he comes to, he dies in this movie, but... You could have also seen him and Batman go on for many movies to come, I think. You could tell he wasn't just a throwaway Joker. 
yeah, the, the relationship between both of them, especially especially towards the end of the movie, I just I, I loved it. It was like they're 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 meant to they're meant to battle each other and and take each other on for for more films than just one. Definitely, and it was kind of sad. I think that they that they decide to kill him off, but then again, I suppose you know that's Jack Nicholson for you. And of course, this movie is remembered for Jack Nicholson accepting the role and for asking you know for six million dollars instead of his average salary of ten million. But okay. the guy, you know, with hindsight, he then decided to say he he wanted a percentage of the film's total earnings, including merchandise, and so he ended up getting something like over fifty million dollars. So this could be like one of one of the biggest sort of uh, or the smartest deals an actor has ever made. So I think Jack Nicholson definitely knew what he was doing. Apparently, also one of the people who were. Uh, um, looked around for the role was Rob, Robin Williams. Could you have seen Robin Williams as the Joker? Uh, yeah, I was. I was actually researching that uh, a couple of days ago when I was doing that while I was doing the rewatch, and apparently they they told Robin Williams that he could have the role, and uh, last minute they said no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna give it to this guy instead. To the point where Robin Williams was so so distraught about it. He, uh, he he was on them for a while until they publicly apologized to him. But after seeing the movie the way it is now, it's I can't see anybody but Jack Nicholson playing it in in the in the Tim Burton version. Very true, because I was also trying to do that kind of mental exercise of seeing Robin Williams mm-hmm. in this kind of movie, but. He might have probably been just way over the top because, of course, as we know, uh, the late great Robin Williams was was always sort of, you know, over the top in everything he did. And I think it might have been exce- it might have also gone to the point of excessive in in the Batman movie because the guy obviously tends to love ad love to ad lib. And so, Lord knows what we would have gotten if if Robin Williams had been cast. And like, of course, Knox on the, shall we say, good side of the spectrum, we have Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon. One of my probably, one of my, pro- we were saying I've got Tracy, we've got had Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon, one of my all-time favorite characters in a, in a superhero movie, <laughs> because the guy just cracks me up, and you have to just almost, you feel bad for how loyal he is to, to Jack, and of course, and then you know, get Exactly. Bob, gun, boom, dead. And I was like, why? Why do you kill Bob? And he, and he, you know, he's one of, the, one of the most memorable characters, even though, of course, he's not one of the main characters. But Tracy Walter is incredible in this. How did you feel about, about Tracy Walter and his relationship with the Joker? I, I loved him. And he was just he, he was the go to guy. And when Jack needed something and he, 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 he OK, Bob, I need this, Bob. We're going here. Bob this, Bob that. And then at the end, Bob gun. <laughs> it wasn't Bob's fault. Exactly. And I just, he, it's, you just feel really, really, really bad for him. And then, of course, we have Jerry Hall as Alicia, who kind of reminds me, should we say, a little bit of the role that Valerie Perrine had in Superman, as in she's kind of maybe there to look pretty. And yeah. um, doesn't really, I was kind of sad because Jerry Hall is a great actress and I felt that you know they didn't give her much to do except kind of you know look like you know the, the villain's girlfriend and just sort of sit there and look pretty and I wish they maybe had done a little bit more with Alicia's character how did you feel about about Jerry Hall's portrayal yeah I think she was just there for uh for eye candy for a while I mean she didn't have a whole lot of lines I mean I, I did like like you said I did feel bad for her um but 
they didn't do anything with her. I mean, it would have been nice if they had like some sort of, okay, well, yeah, we, we understand that she's, she's going behind Grissom's back to see, uh, to see Jack and all this, but, uh, we didn't, we never really saw anything, uh, happen until, until he decides to create artwork on her face. Exactly. She basically is, is his lab rat <laughs> at the end of the day. He's like, at first, he's happy sleeping with her behind Carl Grissom's back. And then, you know, the guy goes totally nuts and decides to use her as, as like I said, a test for his, uh, his Smilex gas and such. And then, of course, you know, we touched up on, on Carl Grissom, on the, another amazing actor, Jack Palance, who, mm-hmm. uh, who another you know, very well remembered for, his, for everything he did in the 80s and prior. Um, I, I really enjoyed him, and I feel that uh, they could have maybe given him a little bit more of um, you know a few things to do. But I guess at the same time they had to focus on the Joker because that was the main villain. But wow, when Jack Palance is on screen, you're just mesmerized at how good he is. Uh, and mm-hmm. how about you? How did you feel about about Jack Palance? Were you a Jack Palance fan before this movie? Uh, I, with everything that I'd seen him in before, I was, and I was—I didn't even know he was in the film until we saw it, and I was just like, "Oh, oh no, I know who that is!" And uh, like you said, he—he he, he steals the screen when he's when he's on it. Uh, I know that uh, from from reading some of the trivia now that I guess he was pretty much a prima donna on stage, uh, but uh, yeah, when when the cameras started rolling, he delivered, and it, he was believable as a mob boss. Uh, Definitely somebody I wouldn't want to tangle with, but uh, yeah, I and mean, when you got somebody as crazy as Jack with you, I and mean, yeah, just uh, I and mean, that's that's the company you keep, and it kind of bit him in the end. Very much so, and and of course, you know, I was touching up on the on the fact of the the music. Of course, everybody, you know, another very memorable theme, the Batman theme, written by Danny Elfman, and of course, we have Prince. When it comes to your musical tastes. Are you a Prince fan? Did you enjoy the songs done by Prince, or did you tend to gravitate more to, should we say, the um, incidental music by uh, by Danny Elfman? I was uh, my 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 taste in music when I was growing up was I mean, I've I've always been a a, a metal guy, I, a metalhead, um, thrash metal. Uh, that's that's always been my go to, but I mean, I've always had a great respect for for all music. And when you start hearing the the, the the songs that were written by Prince for this, it's just I mean, it's adding to a great score by Danny Elfman, to where the two are a marriage made in heaven. I mean, it's uh, I couldn't see anybody else doing the score or doing the songs for this. I and mean, it just it, it works so well together. I and mean, this is just one of those movies that everything just seems to gel. And, and you know what? I I always end up kind of. Um whistling the certain songs of it like of course party man where mm-hmm. we have the big scene in the art gallery which is probably one of my favorite scenes that's and, great and that's such a catchy tune of course and then of course trust where he's where the joker is happily throwing dollar bills like there's no tomorrow and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like you were saying i'm i also am not a, I, i've never been a huge huge fan of prince but i definitely respect what the man has given to music and of course oh, yeah. uh, and, and and also a an, an unsung great guitarist as well because a lot of people remember him for his voice and for his very flamboyant way of dressing but the man was yeah. also an incredible guitarist as well oh yeah very Which much I, a lot of people didn't know like when when i was growing up we just knew him, knew him as a singer and he was in purple rain but and as, as his career 
uh, got and just got bigger. I mean, it's just like, wait a second, this guy plays guitar too, and he plays better than a lot of the guys that I'm listening to. And it's just like, okay, respect is earned, man. It's it's there. <laughs> it, definitely, and uh, and of course, and when it comes into the setting, did you like the way they kind of, should we say, meshed? this kind of old-timey gangster feel to what might have been, I don't know, New York in, in, you know, in those years. I mean, did you find it, did it throw you at all? Or did you like the fact that you saw these kind of old-timey cars, gangsters in pinstripe suits? How did you feel about that? Uh, Batman has always been one of those films where I just, I love the look of it. It's got that, uh, that 40s type industrial feel. It's uh, it's it's not it's it's not any kind of uh, like steampunk or anything, but it's got that real gritty type look to it. And you add the old cars, you add the uh, the, the the architecture of the buildings, and it's just it it goes well with it. And that's why I, I really love this this iteration of Batman. Definitely, and you, and of course, you know, you then give it into the hands of a man who then become associated with gothic cinema, like Tim Burton, and mm-hmm. so it's uh, it, it is just a recipe for success. And when it actually comes to uh, to Batman comics and such, do you have a favorite Batman story, runs, writers, or anything of this nature in comic form of Batman's that you are a fan of? Uh, I've always loved. Uh, I mean, there's 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 the the, the class favorites. I mean, a death in the family. I mean, who could forget having to uh, get in touch with DC Comics to say, okay, is he going to live or is he going to die? And that's that was like one of the, the biggest things that we had when I was growing up. For in in terms of uh, kind of like a, it was there was no social media, but uh, I think all of us did our part. Where we okay is 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 he going to live or is he going to die? And yeah, that's uh, I, I remember that that was just. Uh, that was almost was heartbreaking to to see the end of the uh, end of that that book, uh, but then there's also you've got the the killing joke too, which I'm so glad that they uh, they end up animating because everyone was saying okay if you're going to animate the killing joke, please 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 have Mark Hamill do the Joker, and it it just it was it's one another one of those things where I can see I can see uh, uh, I. I uh, Nicholson playing the Joker in in the the film series in in Batman, but you can't have the animated series without Mark Hamill playing the Joker, and I just I, I love that one. Uh, but I think my favorite out of all of them would have to be uh, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, partially because I got a chance to meet Tim Miller or uh, Frank Miller, uh, and I was able to get all my all four books autographed back in 1988. So those are those are in a box all to all to their own they're gonna be for my son when he gets older so but uh yeah it's uh, there's been so many stories that uh, so many storylines I and mean, you've got the cult you've got hush uh nightfall I mean, who can who can ever forget when batman's uh, back gets broken it's just it's just crazy yeah, it's huge for sure. And so you were saying that you, you actually got to meet Frank Miller and have your, your books autographed. From that you know, brief moment that you got to talk to him, did he seem approachable? Did he seem like a nice guy? I mean, did you get any, what kind of vibe do you, did you get from him at the time? Oh, he was, he was really nice. I mean, he, he, had a, he had a huge line of, uh, of fans waiting to meet him. And you could tell that he was getting a little tired, but he had no problem talking to each one of us. 
And uh, and of course, he was, um, should we say, responsible for giving Batman new life after it kind of been run into the ground and had almost been seen as a campy joke. You touched up, of course, on the death of the family, one of my all-time favorite stories. And one, another one that I really enjoyed, which is more, should we say, modern, was the Court of Owls storyline by uh, Scott mm-hmm. Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, I, a lot of people I know have problems with the New 52. I'm one of those few, should we say, New 52 apologists who appreciates what was done in the New 52. And for those of you who have yet to read it, check out The Court of Owls. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. And it gives you uh, an idea of what goes on behind the scenes in Gotham. And and Scott Snyder is definitely one of my all-time favorite Batman writers. And you touched up on Mark Hamill as the Joker. So I'm assuming that you were a fan of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, 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 I couldn't miss one. Uh, it's I, an incredible series. I, I've, I've, I, just by the who I am, I've always been more of a Marvel fan. But I mean, Batman is the. Uh, I mean, if there's any kind of character that's close enough to Batman, it's always it, to me. It's always been uh, been, been Tony Stark. Mm. Uh, they're they're the billionaires. They come up with their own stuff, and it's just they don't have they don't have powers of their own, but they create things that they can use. And I've always had a, a huge, huge respect for, for, for Bruce Wayne as a character because not only is he, he's a, a great inventor, I, I, obviously he's come up with all these gadgets that he's used, but I mean, he, was a, he was supposed to be like the, one of the greatest detectives of all time as well. And that's one thing that really didn't get touched on a whole lot in, uh, in the film. They, uh, they, they used the fact that he, he figured out the combination of, okay, if it's hairspray and deodorant. Uh, but that was pretty much the only time they really touched on him with his detective skills. So your feeling was they maybe should have shown a little bit more of Batman's detective side in this movie? I think so. I and mean, just, uh, just as a further nod to, to older fans, uh, just to say, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about you guys as well. I, w- I will agree because, of course, like you said, he is one of his nicknames is, of course, the world's greatest detective. So they probably mm-hmm. could have maybe um, shown that a little bit more. So you, you were a fan of Batman, the animated series, which I know is to this day is considered one of the greatest animated series ever done. Did you actually then get to see other iterations of Batman in animated form like The Batman or Batman Beyond or Brave and the Bold? Uh, not as much as I would have wanted to. Uh there came a time where uh, the, uh, the the 50 hours a week at work was uh, a little bit more important than, than watching some TV. But, uh, yeah, I, I find nowadays uh, with everything available online, it's just it's easy to go back and see some of these things. And I will definitely um, suggest that all you Batman fans out there, check out Batman the Animated Series. If you've yet to do so, woe, woe on you because it's one of the best series ever done. And also the Batman. And also the Batman, I would say, because a lot of people have kind of missed this series, but it's definitely worth watching. And uh, and also Brave and the Bold is is another incredible one. When it comes to video games, uh, John, did you ever play any of the Arkham series or, or any of the Batman Arkham series games? I have not. I'm not. I'm not a huge. Uh, I, I used to be huge into video games years ago, but I, it's, it's another one of those things where I mean, 
the job comes first. I got to be able to pay my bills. So <laughs> I don't play a whole lot of, lot of video games. I think the last last game I got was uh, oh, what was the the Lego Dimensions set? Because uh, they had a Doctor Who version of it too. So you could put the put the players on there and all that. But uh, I I still would like to to try it in the future because I've seen so many so many video clips and it looks beautiful. It is. It is. I had the chance to play the first three, so um, Arkham, Asi- Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Origins, which are amazing. Unfortunately, I did not get to play Arkham Knight because I did not upgrade to the next console. So unfortunately, it was only made for PS4 and Xbox uh, One. I, really? I, I had an Xbox 360, so... I was kind of screwed on that on that deal. So what can you do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. So any further thoughts on the on the movie before we move on? Uh, the, uh, the 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 score by Danny Elfman. I mean, I, you you think of of classic superhero movies like I mean, you don't even have to know what the movie is when when it starts playing. It's like Superman the movie. I mean, you start hearing that theme from John Williams, you know exactly. Okay, that's Superman. This movie as well, you start hearing the music. It's like, okay, this, that's 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 Batman right there, and it just it be, the the soundtrack itself. It becomes another character in the movie, and that not only just with uh, pairing it up with Prince, I mean, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing when you listen to it. That's one of the soundtracks that uh, I definitely went out and got the soundtrack after I saw the movie. Uh, you and me both. And when it comes to, to, to favorite quotes, do you have some favorite quotes from the movie? I know it's pretty much the whole movie is quotable. but uh. It is. <laughs> uh, one, one, one of the ones I, I really like is when uh, Alfred's talking to, uh, to Bruce, and Bruce just, just looks at him and he says, so what's on your mind? And Alfred looks at him and he says, uh, I have no wish to spend my few remaining years grieving over the loss of old friends or their sons. To where it's like he's he's telling him it's like okay you need to you need to figure this out and kind of move on because I don't have too much time left and I don't want to see you grieving about this the rest of your life. Mm. And that's a, that's a great quote for sure. When I when it comes to for example Jack Nicholson, there's so many insane quotes that <coughs> I think have almost become part of my daily speech. <coughs> <laughs> One of my favorite ones. Just a narrow or a few is uh, when we, we, his exchange with Vicky Vale and the Joker. And Vicky Vale was like, what do you want? <coughs> Excuse me. And his answer is my face on the one dollar bill. And she goes, yes. you must be joking. And he says, do I look like I'm joking? <laughs> Which is brilliant. And or, or, of course, the one line of you're insane. I thought I was a Pisces. <laughs> Which is another right. wonderful, wonderful one. And finally, when it comes to, to uh, another great one was... Uh, and the Joker destroys ton- quite a few uh, TV sets on this on this film. So I'm like, dude, what is it with you and TV sets? But um, in one of these these TV sets uh, destroying scenes, another great uh, line is Batman. Batman, can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so just, just an incredibly quotable movie all around. Well, John, so when it comes to rating this movie, how, uh, how does it rate on your scale of, uh, of movies? I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with this movie. That's, uh, I mean, like, I, I watched it a few days ago for the rewatch, and it had been a few years since I'd seen it, but it's just, it, like I said, it holds up. 
you don't have to be I mean, you don't have to be from the 80s to like this movie. I mean, my my son is 13 years old. He he was growing up with the with the Christopher Nolan series, and a few years back when we watched this one together, he was just like that was awesome. I was like, I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, and I saw this when it was released. Exactly. But uh, yeah, it's it's a this one. I, like I said, I don't I don't see a whole lot wrong with it. Um, apart from like, I, I would have liked to have seen more of uh, of Commissioner Gordon's interaction with Batman. But that was due to the script, the way it was written. Uh, with okay, he's they're they're just meeting him for the first time, basically. But uh, yeah, if there would have, was anything anything else, I, I would have easily give it uh, uh, ten out of ten. But for now, I, I'm gonna say nine out of ten uh, Batmobiles. I, I think we're pretty much on the same scale because I would t- I would take a, like a point away from just that fact and possibly the the not being being able to focus on Batman as a detective. So I'm also going to give it nine bat signals out of 10. So we definitely agreed on that. And when it comes know. when it comes to future iterations of Batman in film, what would you like to see done with this character? Because as you know, um, he the, the DCEU has come under fire and nobody's happy with it. And Ben Affleck had to leave and decide not to do it. And now we have a new Batman in Pattinson. What would you like to see with this, with Pattinson's Batman? I, I'd like to see him go back to uh, to the roots. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see uh, him solving more using his mind. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see more of the gadgets come back. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the brawn, we've seen seen the muscle. Okay, let's uh, let's let's see him for his brain and see what he what he can do. And I'd, I'd love to. I, the, there was a rumor going around that. Uh, uh, eventually, there would be a Batman Beyond movie, and uh, a lot of people are saying, "Okay, well, can we please get Michael Keaton back to play the older Bruce Wayne?" And that would be that would be like Christmas all over again. <laughs> Very much so. And uh, personally, when it comes to me, I I, I would agree. I would also add that it'd be nice to see some other villains because Batman is known for his rogues gallery, and it's mm-hmm. probably one of those com- comic book characters as the best, if not one of the best, rogues gallery in comics. And obviously, everybody runs to the Joker, but it would be nice to see a new iteration of the Riddler, for example, or another, maybe even another Two-Face, or Clayface, or Killer Croc, or... Uh, there's, there's so many that you can go to, and I hope that in this new Batman movie we'll get some new characters. There is rumor that the Riddler should be making an appearance, which would mm-hmm. be great, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it differs from what Jim Carrey did. Uh, well, John, I wanted to, of course, thank you so, so much for the time. I really appreciated it. And uh, when it comes to uh, reaching you on the on the interwebs and such, where can people find you? Tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, what, where people can find you. Uh, I, I don't spend a whole lot of... Uh whole lot of time on social media i do have a facebook page it's uh john takas in maslin ohio uh i do run the uh the ohio type 40 we're like as you said uh and i thank you for mentioning it at the beginning uh we're one of the four largest doctor who groups in the state of ohio and uh actually just yesterday uh i launched uh type 2 doctor who another facebook group uh because at the end of may this year i was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and going through that and uh, finding uh, different support groups, I decided, okay, there's got to be Doctor Who fans out there that also 
have this affliction. And uh, if we can get start getting some people together, we could form our own Doctor Who support group. We could talk about how our struggles are and what we're doing to help ourselves and talk some Doctor Who as well. I would definitely echo that. So my people, be sure to, to, to check out John and his great Doctor Who groups. We're fat, huge fans of Doctor Who, John, so we can't but endorse what you do. And uh, of course, if you want to be like John and join us here on the show to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email to happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to just leave us a comment, you can do that also at happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like and follow on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash whiskey and cigarettes and if you would like to support the podcast and are feeling generous you can hit the donate button also we really appreciate that any donators will, all, will also be able to pick the movie we next discuss and speaking of which next week we will be joined by good friend and fellow podcaster and mutual friend of ours john jesse jackson who will be discussing nice. Zack snyder's watchmen the 2009 adaptation of Ooh. alan moore yeah that's going to be a good one <laughs> yeah the 2009 adaptation of alan moore and david gibbon's seminal graphic novel so keep your eyes peeled for that that said john thanks again for the time you're welcome back anytime uh, you know what well, next time i have a feeling we'll be discussing your all-time favorite iron man i, I hope we do <laughs> i do i thank you again for letting me come on the pleasure was certainly ours well people we will see you next week like i said we'll be discussing watchmen with jesse jackson so we'll see you then thanks for listening ciao